Welcome to Inspire and Innovate, a podcast for educators, produced by the faculty of St. Andrew's Episcopal School in beautiful Jackson, Mississippi. As you rev up for the busy beginning of the school year, we are excited to offer you this mini-series of power-packed conversations featuring local educators around the Jackson, Mississippi metro area. These folks do good work every day, and they remind us that our school and our faculty are a small portion of the incredibly rich ecosystem of teaching professionals in this area. We can't do this job alone, and we have so much to learn from our colleagues near and far. We believe storytelling is the best way to make sense of the complexities of our profession. So please enjoy this mini-series, Living It, Stories from the Teaching Life. I am beyond excited to introduce you to my colleague and my friend, Dr. Anita Deron. She teaches English at Murrah High School in Jackson, Mississippi. A former professor at Millsaps College, Deron has published on race and media representation, digital literacy, and most recently, Richard Wright and Modernism with Dr. Ann McMaster. Durant also served as community liaison for the Millsaps College Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation Center and is an independent racial dialogue consultant. Anita, welcome! I'm so happy to be here, Julie. Thank I you. I am so thrilled. So I just have to say that um, Anita is totally why I am in Mississippi to begin with. Um, when I first came here, I too worked at Millsaps College and we um, met at the interview. I was super pregnant with my my third child and you were so lovely and I remember very clearly in my like job talk professors do like these job talks where they like share their research and I remember the most brilliant questions about my my research were coming from this lady in the corner um, who we were about to hear from. Um, And I was like, oh my gosh, this school has some real thinkers. And then we also had fun at dinner after, and um, it has just been a delight. And it's so cool that both of us have found our way kind of like back into, or back or for the first time into K-12 education. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how life works out that way, right? But, um, But I think that it speaks to something that we both have at our core, which is we're both teachers, I think, by calling and vocation at heart. I can't imagine myself doing anything other than being in a classroom. Same. Um, and so uh, it's interesting It's interesting to find myself back here, yes. And um, yeah, I, when you said uh, that I was the reason why you were here, I thought, okay. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> how do we feel about Mississippi today? It worked yeah, nah, Mississippi is complicated and lovely. It is, as is everywhere. As is everywhere. everywhere. All the time. And there are people, mm-hmm. the, the people, right? They're always always good people. Doing They're good always work. good people. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, and that's why that's why I'm so glad you're here. In the series, we're really trying to focus on just like storytelling mm-hmm. with educators across sort of this local community. We have just so many rock stars doing incredible work. And also, selfishly, I just want to catch up with you. And here, <laughs> this is not really the only way to catch up. We could just have coffee. But in here, about like how is this going transitioning yeah. from from teaching college and moving to, to high school and um you know again mm-hmm. I, I think my favorite thing is just like s- stories of the class like, what, what is what is me yeah. so yeah. um thanks so much for coming in um, thank you for having me oh yes well okay so the initial sort of you know question is sort of what are, what have you been up to over the summer we talk a lot about as faculty then need to have like a break and like recharge, especially after, oh my gosh, the last two years of insanity that we have all, um, and our, actually our last series was about COVID and teaching and mm-hmm. all of the ways um, that it rippled. And mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, what, what, what did you do this summer? Well, um, I was, I, I planned initially to teach summer school um, because 
my little brain was thinking, oh, you know, it'd be a really great opportunity for me to, you know, spend some more time with students and work with some who were really struggling and get a better grip on the high school mindset. And then I just said no. Um, and instead, um, I, I was invited to participate in an amazing pilot at the Mississippi School for Math and Science. Um, it was This was the first year that um, they put this program together, and uh, it was focused on, it was, it's called um, African American Youth, I gotta, I'm, I'm like the doing the acronym, African American uh, Youth in Mississippi Achieving Excellence, or something along those lines. But um, uh, And I apologize to my colleagues <laughs> at Mississippi <laughs> School for Math and Science. Um, because I, I don't have the, the words in front of me, but it was an amazing week um, in Oxford, uh, not Oxford, Columbus, on their uh, campus at uh, Mississippi University for Women. And um, there were rising 8th through 10th graders from around the state of Mississippi participating in this pilot program. The students were able to participate free of charge, which was amazing. Wow. And we delivered everything we possibly could shove into mm -hmm. a week. Um, of, of instruction and enrichment and it was it was enriching for me um, and so it was just it was a lot of fun great fun so That's I did amazing. that what did you like give an example like what did you squeeze in there so um, the English uh, I was part of the English faculty okay. and so the three of us um, had decided okay we're gonna do something a little different with the eighth graders and the ninth grader okay. ninth and tenth graders because their needs are different yeah. so uh, but everything was focused all of the texts that we read were focused on um, african-american experience Experience. Yeah. So um, one of my favorite moments was on the very first day with the rising eighth graders <laughs> when I passed out two poems, one by Nikki Giovanni and one by uh, Lucille Clifton to them. And they said, oh, God, we're reading poetry. I was like, yes, and you're going to like it. Yes. And by the end of the week, they were in love with all oh. of the black poets that we read. Um, they understand why Nikki Giovanni is a thug um, <laughs> and, uh, and why she is like my, my goal like my yes. retirement goals um, and you know to see them just uh, you know within one week just start really digging into and making connections with poetry um, was just fantastic so that was just one moment in a bunch of moments during the week it was a wonderful wonderful week poetry is the yeah. best like bite-sized way I feel like into language in literature right like you yeah. can just like sit there and like together make sense of a piece and what a powerful like program in terms of like let's get a space of students and talk about represent representative culture and representative literature and you know the whole world around is suddenly now the hot topic is suddenly yeah. this work which you have been engaged with forever right. um, but I mean I, you know the goal and the hope is that this then spreads right and it informs what each of these youth think about as they enter their English classrooms next year exactly and and I have to say that one of the things for me that was so freeing was not not having to worry about teaching all of the things that go along with poetry. I mean, I love those things. I think the vocabulary is important. I think it's important for students, um, particularly students who may be on the margins, to be introduced to those standard ways of talking about literature that they're going to encounter in the classroom because there is... Um, there is a political and a power aspect to that, um, and I feel an obligation to help them hold their own when they go into those conversations. But, you know, the way to get them into caring about that language is to actually get them to care about what's on the page in front of them. And, um, and so showing them that poetry is 
not dead and dry sticks, right? Um, but, you know, can be actually vibrant, living um, music. That just, it was wonderful. So um, that was a lot of fun. We read some KSA Layman too, because, you know, we love KSA. Okay. And, um, and so that was a that was that was a, an amazing week in my summer. Um, as for the rest of it, I'm looking for a new house, and uh, I've been doing the mom thing and visiting family, um, and trying to negotiate this new world that we're in, where we're kind of not in panic mode, but we really need to be still very vigilant. Um, uh, so it's been a um, so that's been interesting. Um, and, you know, now, of course, as we're rec- on the day that we're recording this, I've got two weeks before I have to show up on my campus. So um, the summer is, is, is gone. But, um, but I did get some rest. I'm glad. So. And, like, of course, also not rest. And, but in a way that maybe the not rest was, like, rejuvenating and exciting. And oh, it was all week, good. It's all, all I, good. I promised myself that I was only going to do things I cared about. Oh. So I did things I cared about. That is the wisdom of the world. All you new teachers out there, like that sentence should be like on your wall. Right. In the summer, just do the stuff you care just, about. And also yeah. as much in as much as you can do that in the school year. Oh yes, definitely. Is definitely. Possible? Yeah. No, but sometimes we just have to do stuff we just mm-mm. Oh, this is true. Yeah. yeah. This is true. Okay, well, you mentioned um, helping youth find their way mm-hmm. into text. Tell us how you found your way. Um, into this field. I mean, you began this podcast with like, we are inherently teachers, right? And so yeah. like, when did you know that about yourself or, or yeah. I've, I've fought it for the longest time. Um, so, but I've always found myself kind of adjacent to teaching or to in some way kind of working one-on-one with people or helping people figure out themselves, except for the time when I worked in retail, which, okay, I just have to stop and say, I think every single person should work in retail or food okay, service yeah. At some point in their young lives for at least a year so that you can understand what that is like and that you can be a better person, consumer, and colleague, advocate, friend to people who work in those areas because, um, mm, 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 yeah, okay, so, um, (laughs) but... Um, I started, you know, I was an avid reader as a child um, in some ways to escape the insanity of my enormous family um, on the weekends, but also because I, you know, I could find myself um, in texts, even if the texts that I was reading were full of characters who didn't look anything like me. Um, and um, and as I uh, as I grew older and kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm a... I guess I'm a person who kind of like falls into where they're supposed to be as opposed to like sets a goal and says, this is where I'm going. Um, And so um, I ended up, um, over time, I ended up working in a variety of spaces. And finally, this all culminated as I was approaching 30 um, into going to work at the Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts um, as the uh, director of student affairs, um, which put me into proximity with um, kids who were like me. I had graduated from that school uh, as as a high school student and, um, and had struggled with my academic self um, through undergrad. I mean, just barely got out by the skin of my teeth. Um, and as a gifted kid who never seemed to really be living up to her promise, I felt that heavily. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I was at Louisiana school, I found myself, um, feeling 
challenged to prove to myself that I knew how to student. Um, and I also, you know, I love literature and I love studying it and I decided I'm just going to do that. So I, um, that school is on the campus of Northwestern State University in Louisiana. And so I enrolled in their master's program, got my degree and, um, and then, you know, had a choice point, came to a choice point and I decided that I wanted to work in education. Um, but I wanted to have, um, the, I wanted to have the academic doctorate um, and I love studying literature, so I got my graduate degree. I ended up at Millsaps, and the rest is where we are. Um, and you know, and so basically, I've been winnowing my way down to teaching. When I came to another choice point in my life, and I said, "Okay, you're going to have to make a move soon, yes. and you need to decide what you're going to do." Um, and you know this, Julie, because you and I talked about this so much. Um, and if you don't know, Julie was one of my teachers when I did my secondary uh, education coursework. You Amazing. Uh, no, I learned so much from you. Um, but um, I, um, at that point, um, I sat down and I started making a list of the things that I cared about doing because my head was just full of, of what I thought I needed to be. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so just I went into the space of figuring out what I cared about and what I wanted to do. What are the things that I feel drawn to doing? And I looked at the list and I was like, well, you just need to be in the classroom all the time. And so that's where we are. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so I have to, I have to go back and something you said a minute ago, you mentioned Mm -hmm. this positionality, which anyone who's taught for more than six seconds has had this, um, scenario with students of someone who is gifted, but I'm putting in air quotes Mm -hmm. for our audience, not living up to their potential, which can often, I think, veil inequity in institutions and a host of things, um, with which, you know, are beyond just the student's agency in their Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But tell me more about what you've learned or thought about since, or even then in working with students, um, about that particular student and and how our institutions could better serve them. Well, I I think, um, so my situation, you know, in my head, I always thought I was just lazy, you know? Um, because that's the word that people would use to describe me, right? Um, and I don't think it was that. I think um, I think I'm one of those people who I have I have tremendous energy that I will expend on things that I care about. Um, and I am a person who likes to dive really deep into yeah. something, right? Um, and I'm going to soak up everything I can about a topic and then I'm going to move on and then I will apply that at some other point or I'll go back to it. Um, and so, um, over the years I've learned that about myself and what that does for me as a teacher is help me to have, um, much more empathy and compassion for the students who come into my classroom. Um, and perhaps more patience. Uh, and so that, but then that, of course, runs into this brick wall of, of assessment, of standards, of expectations from the outside about what that child is going to achieve in the classroom that, um, that means I need to find ways to get to them quickly. So one of the biggest things that I've 
done throughout my career as a teacher um, that I have since since as, as far back as I can remember is try to give them choice, give them bounded choice. Yeah. So um, instead of, you know, just throwing open the entire universe of topics, right? Okay, here's, let me give you a thing. Yes. And then I'm going to ask you to approach this thing in a way that makes sense to you. And your outcome can be these things, you know, or, you know, this range of things. Um, often most students are going to go for the thing that's the most traditional, right? But for that student that really needs to like make me a video yeah, yeah. instead of maybe writing me a paper, um, that is going to get them to do the work. Now, one of the things I find with that is that sometimes that choice and the desire to get it perfect mm -hmm. will then, of course, you know, the student like puts off putting, getting it. So there's, there's a whole array of, um, of responses that they may have and my job, I feel like my job as a teacher, because I'm not their boss and I'm not their parent, right. um, but my job as a teacher is to encourage them and to be at their side, to give them the deadline, um, because we do have some, we have benchmarks that we need to meet, um, but to find some way to help them get over whatever hump it is, right? right? That's, that is keeping them from doing the work. So if it's me saying, look, it doesn't have to be perfect. Uh -huh. Give me what you have now. Uh -huh. Let's, let's have, you know, maybe I'll do an oral exam with them or something about, um, the material so that I can at least have something and give them an opportunity to feel some success. Then I feel good. Um, uh, I probably needed something like that when I was, because if there was one thing that just killed my grades, um, especially in undergrad, it was this feeling that I had to do it absolutely brilliantly every time, and that meant it never got done. Yeah. Um, and so the kind of mantra of you know the only you know the only good paper is the finished <laughs> paper, right? Um, only good dissertation yeah, is the finished dissertation. dissertation. Yeah. Um, uh, which surprisingly, all things considered, I got through my dissertation pretty quickly. Well, I wonder because of, because of the bounded choice. I mean, a dissertation is, is in itself a deep dive into an area of interest that true. you choose and direct, whereas an undergrad is probably less. Often. Yeah, and and for and frankly, for my my discipline, I'm an, I have a PhD in English literature. My doctoral work, um, my doctoral project, my dissertation project was firmly grounded in reading. Yeah. And education. Yeah. So, um, and my, my committee was very supportive of that. That's fabulous. So. That's fabulous. Okay. Well, thank you. And full disclosure, also, uh, Dr. D is leading an assessment, uh, conver conversation group with some local educators as we speak this, this mm -hmm. summer. And a lot of the, I think, you know, tensions that you just brought up, mm -hmm. I think really lay bare the difficulties in this system that we operate within, um, in this question of how do we, um, meet the needs of students while also working within whatever particular system yeah. we're in. So. Well, and it's a system that we're all in the same system, although, you know, you and I are in different, different contexts. I mean, yeah. um, you know, the private school context, um, and the pressures for grading, some of them are very similar. Others come yes. from very different yes. spaces or have a different flavor. And in the public, um, institutions, uh, whew, uh, <laughs> You know, the expectations, um, as we were talking about this past week in, in yeah. one of these conversations, um, the expectations just run counter in mm -hmm. some ways to so much good practice and so much knowledge, deep knowledge about what um, what learning looks like, right? right? right. Um, and so much of it is um, 
so much of that assessment is driven by people outside of the profession altogether. Which Great is, idea. Yeah. Who thought of that? <laughs> it's about that's all about purse strings. That's all about the person who holds the purse strings. They have the power um, of the purse. I mean, and that's that's part of that's the way our society works. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to go too far off into that because um, we'll be here for a while. We'll be here for a while. Maybe we'll get more to some of those bigger systemic things. Yeah. But for now, I we have been in the land of abstract. I pushed us to abstract things. I need some more stories. So. Um, the next question is any story or two that center your work with a student. Um, you actually sort of began there with talking about the camp mm-hmm. that you did for the mm-hmm. week. Um, and you know, the story could be one, um, it could be from any of your teaching experiences mm-hmm. that has stuck with you or informed what you do. Maybe it's bothered you or you just keep, I have a couple of those where I just keep thinking about this particular mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. um, or just illuminated something, whatever, any, really any stories game. So I have, there's one in particular that was from before I was teaching while yeah. I was doing my doctoral or my master's degree yeah. in Louisiana. Um, and working as the student life and coming into teaching from that perspective really was a really different, um, and I'm glad I came in yeah. from that perspective because it let me see a whole student. Brilliant. Yeah. There was this one student um, who is, I, I'm not going to say her name, <laughs> um, but if she's listening to this, she's going to know exactly who she is. <laughs> um, and uh, and the student um, had uh, this this as as the person who's in charge of 400 gifted and talented. 11th and 12th graders living away from home on a college campus, right? For the first time. Yeah. So you can imagine what kinds of fun I was having in the late, um, in the, uh, early, it was the late nineties when I was, when I was working there. Um, and, um, and so I, and you know, I, I had to do my fair share of like drug searches and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and, um, there was this one student who I just, just kind of seemed to always be around those things, but never like kind of in it uh-huh. enough to, to, you know, and I was like, I know this person hates me. I know they hate me. Like I could feel the teenage <laughs> anger, right? The dagger. Eyes. Um, yeah. uh, and, um, and you know, and that was uh, it, this, and it was just, it was part of the job. Mm-hmm. One of the best pieces of advice I got from my boss at the time, that brother David Sinatera, who, um, who I had so much respect for and still do, um, as, um, as, as an educational leader. Okay. Um, brother David, uh, <laughs> said to me, he said, it's not you, it's the chair, huh. you know, that like yeah. any anger yeah. that comes in your way, any parent who's frustrated, a child who's frustrated, mm-hmm. a staff member who's frustrated, they're not mad at you. It's not personal. It's the chair. Somebody's got to sit yeah. in that chair and yeah. do that job yeah. and be, responsible for this domain and so as long as you keep that in mind you're going to be okay and that was that would that advice has stuck with me forever oh my gosh that's helpful for faculty that's helpful for me administration like it's not about you it's about the chair and it's so true um so it made it a lot easier for me to handle like anger right teenage anger um that was directed toward me but really wasn't about me so um anyway uh i'm going through facebook like you do 15 years later (laughs) And I get this message um, in Messenger from that student. No. And I don't know if you remember me, but my name is so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I remember you. And, um, <laughs> and, and basically it was a message to let me know she was doing okay. Wow. And that she was happy and that she understood. 
and we got together and we had uh, we've had coffee we've we've, you know you know um, kept in touch a bit um, a little bit over over those years and I um, and that meant so much to me as a teacher and it was so um, instructive because that's that experience a lot of teachers talk about when you've been teaching for a while you talk about that experience of having that student who comes back Mm -hmm. and you get to you know like getting to see you know where they've gone and um, I needed that experience um, because I needed to be able to see that um, me being me was going to be okay. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like would be enough. Um, and, um, and another experience that I've had recently that also kind of helped with that, mm. um, at Murrah, at, <laughs> uh, having experiences where, you know, I'm feeling... Um, uh, for a number of reasons, that experience has been really instructive to me mm-hmm. um, personally. But um, being reminded that students are not a homogenous group of people mm-hmm. um, has been so necessary. And also seeing that I can actually just be my geeky, stupid, oh. goofy, nerdy self. Yes. And some kids will get it. Yeah. And like, they'll totally get it and they're along for the ride. Other kids are like, uh, who are you? Um, but usually I can enthusiastically, my enthusiasm, my enthusiasm, my genuine care about that thing comes forth Mm -hmm. and they bring their own genuine care out too. I don't know if I'm answering what you want, but that, I mean, that's, you know, when I think about like individual students and things I've learned, um, from them, it's about individuality. Right. And as a teacher, one of the things that I get to do is see all of these individual human beings striving to learn this collective content. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And to see how they're going to take it and what they're going to do with it. Um, And that is a gift. Right. Um, I don't want to see the exact same response from them. Um, That's why I like teaching English, Mm -hmm. because. You know, they're, they're like, well, what's the right answer? I'm like, ah. Yes and yes and yes. <laughs> exactly. There are many mm-hmm. right answers. Some answers are better than others. <laughs> better supported. Sometimes. Exactly. More complete, <laughs> richer, deeper, broader. Oh. So, yeah. It's so, all of that is so great. I mean, for the first piece reminds me of the difference between short-term and long-term vantage yeah. points. And I think... What it does when you've, and it reminds me of just getting a little bit older too. Um, I'm turning 40 in a few, <gasps> yeah, real soon, Jordan, I'm almost there. Little and baby, you're a baby. Know, I know, I'm still so <laughs> young, but I am seeing some gray hair, you know, I'm coming along. And I, I have found, and I'm sure, you know, you could tell me more too, like I just have found the older you get, you begin to... You see, every little thing doesn't hit you with the force, yeah. right? That it does when you're in your 20s or, or newer. T- and, and I think this ability to give grace to yourself and to say, "Yeah, that didn't feel good. That meeting yeah. didn't feel good." Yeah. But like I, I operated using what I knew at the time and the best, most love-driven thing that I could yeah. in that moment. And so, like, I'm gonna just have some faith that, like, 15 years later. It's okay. Yeah. And I think that that is what that does. It gives you, you, you have enough of those happen to you and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, and not everything ever ties up beautifully, of course, like right, whatever. Right. Um, but man, as a new teacher, I mean, I just think, and then the other piece I think that's so key about the you be yourself situation, mm-hmm. I think um, 
you know, as you know, I used to work with mostly <laughs> new, new teachers that were, you know, mm-hmm. 19, 20, 20. Yep. So much of that felt like it was identity work of like, can I, oh, be, yeah. can I be an authority in this space? Yeah. And, and, and the, the more that you can help new teachers realize, oh, this is just a continuation of who I am. Obviously, I'm a professional and I'm not going partying, with, right, or yeah. whatever. But like it is, it, because otherwise it's too draining. And I, yeah. I really do think that's yeah. why, I mean, among the many, many, many pitfalls in, in teaching and the imperfections mm-hmm. in our system, I think we lose a lot of folks because it is draining and exhausting yeah. to be on stage in this version of a self that you think you're supposed to be, that you hear messages from administration or from media or from parents, I don't know where you're hearing, but like if you can just be in your skin yeah. with kids and and then that last piece you message, messaged about seeing teachers or students is, is each mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. it is so easy to see everybody as this amorphous and in your early years sometimes like enemy almost, like oh, yeah. me versus yeah. the mob <laughs> and like they are talking when I'm talking and what is going on right. and it's, re- or like that one parent's mad at me so I feel like everyone's right. mad at me and I think what a get, like those sort of three, those sort of three pieces of wisdom I think could really, really help someone new to the field, you know, in terms of and look, I still feel those things. Oh, like, I still human, have those moments, right? right? And I, um, uh, you know, there were some moments this last year where I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> how am I going to control them? How am I going to control them? Yeah. Stop. You don't have to control them. Like, right. you know, and there was, yeah. Um, but yeah, that ability to, um, uh, that, that feeling that I don't have to perform teaching, mm. I'm just teaching. Just be. Is that, yeah, and just being who I am in this space. Like right now is the time when I'm going to do this thing, yeah. um, I think has been really helpful. And what you're saying about, you know, that pressure to perform mm. teaching, um, that young teachers, n- yeah. new teachers in the profession may feel, um, I think is so, um, it's so much of what is preoccupying their minds, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, at that time, and I don't know how you get around that. Maybe it's yeah. just, you go through it. You have yeah. to. Maybe. You yeah. Go. I think. I think. I yeah. think you do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because that's one. You know, um, when we do work with students about their future lives, mm-hmm. right? You know, you want them to go shadow yes. someone in a profession. They've never had to shadow a teacher. Never want. They know right? what that is. Because they've seen it. <laughs> they've been watching teachers all their lives. They've been with teachers all their lives. So they think they know the job and what it looks like, and they want to model themselves maybe right. after the teacher that, you know, really, you know, yeah. them, da, da. I don't remember most of my teachers. That's it. <laughs> I, remember, I remember quite a few teachers, but for the most part, I don't remember yeah. my teachers. Um, and maybe that's just Maybe me. that's for the best. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I remember the teacher who told me not to die on that hill or not to marry oh, that idea. That was it. Don't so marry funny. that idea. What, like, I, wait, what was I'll marry English? that idea if I want to. Yeah. Was this in an English class? Was it was, it? and I'm not going to get any further into that. I, I don't, because, you know, anybody who was in that class who might happen to listen to this podcast will they may will remember know. exactly mm-hmm. what we were talking about. We'll just say that. But, yeah. But, it, well, you know what it was? It was a moment of of immense growth for me because I realized that it didn't matter if this professor thought I should marry that idea. I thought it was a good idea. I could support the idea and their inability to, um, step out of their, um, uh, their scholarly comfort zone Mm -hmm. to understand where I was coming from and to see it. Not my problem. Not your problem. I just have to explain it better, you know? So, yeah. 
Beautiful. Well, okay. So I know we're getting close on time. Maybe one more story about, I know another really key piece is like colleagues, you know, like, and you've got some really cool new ones this year and you had some great ones at Millsap. Like, do you have any good colleague stories that that you want to share just sort of about the role or the, uh, you know, joy or the challenge of, <laughs> well, we probably yeah. I know you don't want to like name names here with the challenge. No, but yeah, we all no. have those as well. Well, you know, so um, yeah. So colleagues, um, I have had so many wonderful colleagues mm. in all of my job lives, um, and um, the thing that uh, I guess if I'm thinking about stuff I've learned, right? Who the best colleagues are, like who the people I kind of gel with the best. Um, I actually, um, my grandmother, one of my grandmothers, Emily Richard, God rest her soul, wonderful, wonderful, solid woman. Um, she used to say she liked the people I used to bring around to eat her gumbo and like sit at her table because I surrounded myself with people who brought me up instead of bringing me down. And so that's something that that's something that's always kind of stuck in the back back of my head as I went out into the workforce and thought about okay who am I going to hang with who am I going to align myself with, but then there's also um, uh, the importance I think of um, accepting people where they are and um, and knowing yourself well enough to be in the space to receive commentary with a healthy. ear and not a sick one so if all I ever hear from this person in my sphere um if if it's couched negatively Mm -hmm. um I need to listen healthily Mm -hmm. and I need to filter I'm not going to turn myself inside out and make myself crazy trying to trying to be nice about or take it in it like I'm not going to gaslight myself about it but I'm also not going to miss out on the opportunity to get some feedback that may not be delivered in the most helpful way because of how that person and I communicate. So, um, yeah, so, you know, being around people who bring you up um, and trying to listen with a healthy ear, trying also to be a healthy ear for yes. colleagues. Yes. Um, and um, uh, and yeah, that's been important. I will say, um, as a black woman who has been in predominantly white workspaces her entire life, except for now, um, uh, and I can say something about that in a moment. Um, over the years, I have um, grown to be much more comfortable with naming and calling mm-hmm. out fragility, um, identifying and um, you know, and pointing at and um, holding institutions, colleagues um, yeah. to you know to a standard or at least, asking the questions that are going to open up that avenue of dialogue that normally would just have been passed by. Um, and that, um, I, I, I was, I needed to be old enough to do that and I needed to feel secure enough in my work or at the very least secure enough in myself and my ability to find another job. Right. <laughs> if, if I had to. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the issue of, you know, what's, what it's like to be, um, a black academic in a predominantly white institution, um, is one that um, I've, that's an issue that I've navigated, had to negotiate, um, and, uh, and understanding, you know, which pieces are me yes. and which pieces have to do with that institutional yes. 
um, situation that I'm in has also been really important for me as well to understand. Like, what are the things that I need to work on right. in my own self in order for me to be the teacher I want to be? Mm-hmm. And what are the things that, like, you know, actually this is set up in such a way that I can't, it's not right? It's not going to work. I can't be that. So, so that's been really instructive. That's helpful. And I think it's like a question that I hope we're all sort of asking ourselves in this moment about our schools and in ways in which we're set up hospitably, right, for all of our students and mm-hmm. um, in ways that we're not. Mm-hmm. So, so what has that transition been like? Okay. Um, oh yeah, go go. Yeah. So you just said hospitably, and this is where I'm going to push. Oh, back, it's a bad right? word. I know. Because, well, because, um, because the, the, the issue with the predominantly white institution that is seeking to become more diverse or seeking to uphold diversity or seeking to respect diversity or whatever the heck it's trying to do with diversity, right? Um, part of the job of that institution is to make students uncomfortable. Yeah. You just can't, um, uh, the work can't all be on the marginalized student coming in. Absolutely. The, I'm using scare quotes, the diversity student, right? That, that the work can't be about them assimilating into your space. Yes. The work has to be about two communities meeting each other, two groups of people meeting each other, and being in the discomfort of having to make room for one another. Yes. yes. And, um, and what I find, what I have found in my work in predominantly white institutions for the, I don't know, how long have I been working? 30 you, years you've now? You've had a career, yeah. Um, is that um, it's all, the work is always on, it's always on the, the students of color. It's always on mm-hmm. the LGBTQ plus students. Whoever, it's, always on, right. it's always on whoever's not part of the mainstream or the norm um, to make themselves fit. Yes. And, um, and as soon as you start dealing with or talking about um, and this is the moment that we're in right now, yeah. right? Um, nationally, um, when we finally get to start talking about and get some kind of larger conversation going on what were the things that got us to this point in the first place, right? Um, then that discomfort starts hitting mm. those who are in the kind of the normal right. group or the, the hegemonic power, if I want to get all mm-hmm. structural. Um, yeah. I I, um, and so, and that discomfort um, is something that is always met, um, historically is going to be met with an attempt to downplay it, mm-hmm. to push it back to the margins, to assimilate what can be assimilated and to cast out what cannot be. Mm-hmm. And then you end up in the same place. Maybe you moved a, a, a half step, yeah. but you end up backing up some people even more. So um, I am really, um, I am so thankful to be in the space that I am in now as a teacher um, because I um, just feel uh, such... Um, I feel all the same ta- challenges as yeah. a teacher, right? Nothing's perfect, yeah. No, well, no. I mean, it just I just I feel all the same challenges. I feel, you know, um, I'm I'm dealing. I'm the same person, right? I'm just in a new space where um, I do have to deal with some of that, right? But I also feel like I'm I'm with colleagues who are more on board, mm. um, uh, and so that's been that's been important to me. Good. Um, yeah, I'm, um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, I'm so, I'm so thrilled to hear 
Um, but this has been a, a really good shift for you, and I appreciate mm -hmm. you calling me out on the word hospitable. Oh. The thing you didn't say, which I would say about that word, is it also puts the ownership on the majority. Yes. <clears throat> this space is our space. We will let you in, right? We yeah. will make you feel good because it's our home. It's not right. your home. Right. Well, that's not the right. That's not inclusive. Inclusivity is this is our home together. What needs to change right. is going to change, and discomfort is the most generative space to be in, which yes. is why teaching is where it's at because we are uncomfortable constantly. Kids make us uncomfortable. Parents make us uncomfortable. Like, and we're is, supposed to make them uncomfortable. And if you they, don't learn in we comfort. We don't learn. I mean, truly, yeah. like the human, we are, we have evolved to learn from discomfort, right? So we don't, so anyway, all of that, thank you. And um, I'm, I'm so glad you were able to jump in and, and we're already in this space. And so tell me, for this final, and then just a two really quick, dumb question, fun end of end of thing question. <laughs> um, so you have this magic wand, right? We Ooh. we you know finally have granted you uh, wizardry over the world. <laughs> You've been waiting for this moment. Da 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 da. What needs to change? What needs to change? And like let's let's focus on education, right? Because that's the space we both inhabit every day. And what needs to change to make? education or the pursuit of what we do in schools. Sometimes we can call that education. Education is also something much more broad than just what we do in schooling, but schooling is a piece of it. Um, so that it's better for the youth we work with. What, what, what needs to change? <sighs> All right. Um, it's a, this is my abstract response um, to that question because there's not one magic bullet, but there's like a magic feeling and I think I think that anything that we can do to turn our attention toward love mm -hmm. um, and that civic love that we were talking about yes. last week um, that is the key yeah. I think that um, I think that if we lead with love mm -hmm. whenever we sit down to do anything right um, in education if love is driving us love for our students um, and love for our colleagues, right? As an administrator, you know, I know that it's important. I knew that it was important for me to, to love the faculty, even though like sometimes they were probably like, I hate you, oh my God, why are you gonna make me do more work, right? But, um, but and that would have made me a better administrator, right? Leading with more love and more compassion um, uh, and trying to find solutions to things that would allow for everyone to grow yeah. um, uh, in healthy ways. Um, but I think if we lead with love, if our if our if our legislatures led with love for the students and the future of the mm -hmm. states that they are up, that they are trying to guide, if our school boards, if our um, if our institution, our all of our administrative institutions, our faculty, um, you know, all of our uh, if our, if we teach that to our students, right? How can I? How can I? bring love into the world and how can I be love in the world? Um, I think that that creates a whole, that opens up an entirely different set of questions. If I'm sitting down and I'm putting together my lesson plan for the day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and all I'm thinking about is I have to get them to do blah and mastery, blah, yeah. right? Mastery of this thing, right? But if I'm starting from a space of love, right? One of the things that I understand is that, um, that my job is to help them achieve these elements achieve mastery over these things to help them grow, to help them find connection to that, to help them um, 
to, to help them see the function of that particular skill set in their lives, to help them achieve whatever those future goals are that they have for themselves, or if they don't have any goals, just to help them um, uh, learn to find in themselves, like the love, the love for yourself that comes when you achieve something, right? There's so many different ways that I can crack that nut. Um, but if I'm sitting there and I'm doing my lesson planning under stress and duress yeah. and anger and frustration and they just don't get it and, you know, all of those those things that I might have in my own mind, um, I can veer towards something much more punitive right. that's not generative, right. that's not creative, that's not going to give them an opportunity to grow. And I'm not talking about, like, real fancy lesson plans to give, mm -hmm. like, you know, sometimes the simplest stuff in the world that I can do is going to be all of that yeah. because it's about what I brought into it here and here oh, in my right. head and in my heart um, versus um, the way that I spoke out that or put those words on paper. So, um, yeah, so love, leading with love. That, that If I had a magic, magic wand... We would lead with love, and that doesn't mean that we're all exactly the same. It doesn't mean that we're all robots. It doesn't mean anything. What it actually means is that we're all constantly doing that work that um, that KSA Lehman talks about, that revision, that constant revision of ourselves, right? That, um, that we're always seeking to become better. We're always seeking to love better. We're always seeking to be better people in the world. If we can have that attitude, I think that that fixes everything. So there's there's my All magic wand. Rah, 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 rah. Also, <laughs> yes, I mean, so like, and I think about all the talk of backwards design. I mean, I just oh, love, yeah. I just love how you reframed mm -hmm. this notion of what we do when we lesson plan. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes we talk about more visionary objectives or more visionary standards, mm -hmm. but like love could just be stamped on everything. And Mm -hmm. um, and a hundred percent, the the space, the the space, the attitude, the spirit you bring into a class, uh, it has in, it has major right. Like we have both come into classrooms really mm -hmm. well prepared, and we both come into classrooms really not prepared. And honestly, the correlation of which of those lessons went better is <laughs> is not that clear. Like yeah. oftentimes, if I'm not prepared at all, but I just came back from vacation and I'm just connecting with the students yep. and we're having this great conversation, it's a great class, Anita. But like another one, I. I have an amazing plan with so many differentiated activities and oh stations. And Anita, it's terrible. It's too much. That yeah. never goes well. It never goes well. Actually, just never do that. Yeah. 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 Too much. Too it much. never it never goes well because you are expecting way more than um, because all you're focused on is a product and not the process of getting there with the students. Amen. Yes. Good stuff. Sorry. Okay, good stuff. I know I have to let you go. Last question. Oh. Yeah. One book. This is your wizard wand again, I guess. Everyone in, like, every educator ever has to read you know, a book. I'm an English professor. I know. This is, like, the, also the best question to ask Ask me to kill my baby. Oh! <laughs> I know. Okay, you can pick a couple books. One book. One book. Everyone has to read. And why? Like everyone I who's mean, a teacher? Give me some context say, for this yeah, everyone. Let's say everyone who's a teacher. Let's say educators. I know it's mean. It's really um, mean. Mm -mm. bell hooks teaching to transgress. Oh, that's a good choice. No one said right. that. I love that choice. Yeah, yeah okay, just read some bell why. hooks. Tell us why. Just read, you know, and I would just say actually, just read some bell hooks in general. Um, yeah, in general. I mean, there are, um, you know, as with all of our writers, you know, people have kind of blind spots, and I know that she has some. Um, and yet I find what she has to say, and actually she's got a wonderful book on love, the title of which is eluding me right now, but it's like about love. Love is in the title. Um, uh, but um, 
her meditations and her thinking on her own experience as a teacher in those um, particularly in predominantly white spaces, but what she brings into that, um, I think is instructive and, um, inspiring. Um, so yeah, I, um, if I was going to tell a new teacher to read anything, it would be some bell hooks. And I'm just going to sneak in. The second thing I think they need to read, um, is, uh, a, a book on critical race theory and education. Just read it. In this moment. And read it, and no matter how you're reacting to it, keep a journal nearby Mm -hmm. so that you can write down how you're feeling about it Mm -hmm. and start untangling your own reactions because I think the most toxic thing that we can do as teachers is walk into a classroom un- um, uh, unaware of our own biases, unaware of our own... um, uh, Uh, um, the stereotypes that we're carrying with us, we don't have to overcome them right away. That's a process that goes, that we go through life. But I think as teachers, we do ourselves and our students a disservice Mm -hmm. if we walk in and we, and we walk in with all sorts of unexamined um, attitudes toward them and to what they can achieve. Um, We might as well stay home if we're doing that. Bell Hooks, the book about love, is called All About Love. Yes. I have not read it, so I need to add this to my list. I'm teaching to transgressors. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Anita, Dr. D, it has been so lovely, as always. I always learn 100 things when we chat, and I'm very, very grateful for your like candor and your openness and your willingness. It's pouring rain outside for to, to drive through the rain and, and make it uh, to our campus today. And um, just hope there we can find lots of ways to connect and collaborate and yeah. continue this good work. Um, but thank you. And enjoy the last two weeks of summer. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, This was a lovely uh, opportunity to do something fun and different. So um, I'm excited about it. And now I know who to go to when I'm ready to do some podcasting work. That's right. You can connect with (laughs) us. Maybe we can have a little little collab. But I would love, oh my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, get, like get our students together to do something. for a collab. That would actually be tons that would of fun. Be so fun. I'm I'm down. I'm I'll down. I'll see that. I'll see that.